I like that new song, didn't you? That, was a, that last song was a new song, to us anyway. That was a good song. Thank you. Loved it. And by the way, uh, you might have noticed we have a hole in our wall there, and uh, it's, I don't know, I like that style, don't you? I think that's great. But um, these two televisions on the side, they've been broken for quite a while now. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you've been a part, you've been here, you've noticed we don't use them anymore. It's because they're now against our religion. But really, they're just, they're broken. So we've been, but they're beasts. If you've been back behind there, those t- these TVs are beasts. So yesterday, we got one out. Um, and the guys after doing it said, that's it. Somebody else is going to take the other one out. So we need more suckers, I mean volunteers, to come and help get this one out next. So if you'd come and then we'll put some drywall up and fill in the hole. So some of you, um, some of you uh, um, really anal type people are going to be driven nuts by that to the point where you say, okay, I'll get rid of that TV, let's just fix the holes. And then we're, we'll be set. So I have, this, I have this desire that's been on my heart for a long time. And that is this. Here's my prayer. God, I want to know you the way that Jesus knows you. I want to know the Heavenly Father the way that Jesus knows the Heavenly Father. And Jesus said that he only ever did and saw, only ever did and said what he saw the Heavenly Father doing and saying. He, he literally lived in this, just this perfect communion with the Father as he walked on the earth. And so to do that, he must have been able to hear what the Father was saying at any given time. And he was just following where the Lord, where the Father was leading. I want that. I don't, I don't want to just hear God's voice in a special service once in a while when they're playing my favorite worship song. But I want to actually have that experience where I can hear God's voice all day and we just talk together all day and I go where he's going all day. And so we're entering this season as a church where that's what we're going to be focusing on. And I think it might, it might be through the summer. I really don't know, to be truthful. I don't really set time limits on these things. But thinking sometime here for the summer, we're going to make this our emphasis as a church. And even next month in June, the first 21 days of June is our 21 days of prayer. We uh, have been, we've just started doing this as a church last year. Twice a year we take two different times Uh, where we take 21 days and we focus in prayer. And so June 1 through 21, and we feel like the Lord is leading us that the theme we're going to be praying for this June is ask for access. In uh, Psalms chapter 2, God says, Ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance. Ask me. And James says, You have not because you ask not. And we've been praying for, matter of fact, I still have them. I keep them in my Bible. We've, we have these pink cards. We've been praying for five names on there. Mine's been added to. And then we had this, when was this? I can't hear, um, was this Easter? We did the target prayer. I'm still praying for these guys. 
But feel like the Lord is now saying, okay, ask for access. And I wonder if maybe they go together. The people that you're praying for, would God give you access? I don't even really know what that means totally, but that's the theme here for June. But the theme for the summer is, God, teach us how to hear you. I want to hear your voice. God, I want to know you the way that Jesus knows you. That's the cry of my heart. When we were getting ready for Ben and Nate to come for the summer, Ben and Nate are staying with Karis and I in our house. They're living in our basement. And in order for them to live in our basement, we had to get our basement ready. And our basement is finished, but it's really old. And so we had to clean it. We had to throw out garbage. We had to steam clean the carpet. We put some paint on the walls. And now our basement actually is livable. It's really nice. I didn't know our basement was so nice. When they leave this summer, I want a man cave out of this deal. It's like a really nice basement now. Would have never thought of that. But we had to get ready for the guys. We couldn't just, hey, come on in and throw them in the basement with all the stuff and the spiders. We had to prepare the basement for their presence. Before Jesus' public ministry was launched... John the Baptist went through Palestine and he was telling everybody, prepare the way for the Lord. That was John's sermon. Prepare the way for the Lord. You say, well, if he's God, why can't he just come? Yes, God can just come. But there's also a partnership that you and I have. I prepare the way for the Lord. John also preached in Matthew. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The word repent means to change the way you think. It, the, the Greek word for repent is literally metanoia. It means change the way you think. So I need to shift the way that I think in order to receive this kingdom that Jesus brought when he came to earth. This kingdom of God operates completely different than anything else that the world has ever seen. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the devil, his kingdom is marked by stealing, killing, and destroying. So steal, kill, destroy, righteousness, peace, joy. Two kingdoms. You and I were born into this kingdom, steal, kill, destroy. It's all we ever knew. Jesus came in and he says, hey, I want to invite you into my kingdom, Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, in order to be ready for that kingdom, change the way you think. And so we do. We've got to get ready. We've got to prepare. I need to, I need to, it's like a cup. You know, a cup can only be filled if it's turned right side up. And my soul is that way. A lot of us come to God like this, and we wonder why our experience of God is so limited. I need to reposition myself so that I'm prepared to hear him. And the good news is this. God wants you to hear him. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, God told the people, he says, walk this way. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And then in the New Testament, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep Listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My point is this. You and I 
are created to hear the voice of God. It's not something that is weird. I find it strange, frankly, that we treat this as strange. Remember recently, our vice president, Mike Pence, was criticized in the media because he says that he talks to God every day and that God talks to him. And I don't know Mike personally, but from everything, it seems like he is a brother in the Lord. I have no reason to question. I don't know the guy. But, you know, he he speaks about having a personal relationship with God and talking to God each day and God talking to him. What I found surprising was the backlash. Why is that so shocking that God would talk to my... Why is it shocking that God would talk to anybody? Especially in the church, we have this... We live with this contradiction. Because the church, we talk about being friends of God. True? Everybody has a personal... We want you to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. We talk about being friends with God, and then when someone who actually has a friendship with God says that God talks to them as a friend, we find that person to be weird. I find that surprising. That's a contradiction. If I'm friends with the God of the universe and he's friends with me, then certainly we can be able to talk together. Certainly I can hear his voice more than just when I'm in a special worship service and feeling it. Surely there has to be a way for me to have a dialogue with the God of the universe. In Job, Job 14, he says it this way. He says, for God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. So it's possible that right now God is talking to you and you're not perceiving it. In fact, I would propose to you that it's completely probable that God is talking to you right now and you might be perceiving it or might not be perceiving it. But when I think about the fact that I would miss God talking to me, my heart sinks. I think, what? The God of the... Okay, the God, try to wrap my brain around. The God of the universe is trying to talk to me who's smaller than a flea in the universe and somehow I've missed it. I I think that's heartbreaking. I talk about missing something. You know, if, if you got a phone call from some famous person Let's say just randomly tomorrow you get a phone call and you answer your cell phone and it's Beyonce. Just pick one, right? It's Beyonce. And you're like, and Beyonce knows your name. She says, hi, how are you? I'm Beyonce. And you're like, at first you don't believe it because how does Beyonce get my number? And then you think, well, does Jay-Z know? Because I don't want him getting jealous that me and Beyonce are talking. I don't know. So we're, you know, we're talking. And, and, then, and then wouldn't that be something that you would tell people about? You'd be bragging all day long, right? Hey, uh, and you'd be showing your phone, your contact list. You, yeah, that's Beyonce, my contact list right there. She and I talk. Yeah. Right? You'd just be dropping that name every chance you got. I went to McDonald's yesterday, and by the way, I talked to Beyonce. And, right? I mean, you'd be all the time. 
And if that's how I feel about talking to Beyonce, can you imagine the greatness of the God of the universe who says, hey, I love you. I want to get to know you. I know your name. Let's talk. Wow. And then to think, as Job says, that God speaks in these different ways and that I missed it, that I'm checking my contact, I'm checking my phone, my missed calls, and whoa, God called me and I completely missed that one. Oh, no, I don't want to miss that one at all. I want, I want to know the voice of God. The problem is this. Why is God's voice so hard to hear? Well, there's three reasons that I can think of. There's a, probably a whole host of reasons, but just three of them that come to my mind right away. One is he's humble. Second, he's huge. And third, he's a spirit. So, so first, God's humble. That's the first reason why it's tough to hear his voice because God is not a show-off. God is not about stealing the show. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, he's not about wowing you and me. And I think we find that surprising because we think if we were God, we would definitely be wowing people. I'd be like Bruce in that movie, Bruce Almighty. I'd be doing all kinds of crazy stuff if I was God. But God is humble. And it's surprising to us that he doesn't try to steal the show. It's, it's really surprising. And so sometimes I can miss him because he, he, he tends to be quiet. He, he's not boisterous. He's not the life of the party. He's not the, hey, look at me, everybody. That's not how he operates. He's humble. And surprisingly, God waits for us to be in the right spot where we can hear him, which is really weird because he waits for me. He waits on you to come to the spot where I'm actually positioned to be able to hear him. Because sometimes we stumble over what we know or what we don't know. Our knowledge is a big problem for us. Think of it this way. I can just um, explain it this way. You remember in, in Genesis chapter 3, and Adam and Eve, they're the first man and woman, and they're in the Garden of Eden, and they sinned. And um, they sinned by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so it was their desire for knowledge that they didn't have that actually led them to sin. They, they weren't content to know what they knew. They also wanted to know what God knows. And that is what led to their downfall. Because God wanted to have a relationship. And in a, you know, we don't have to know everything God knows to know God. God was like, just know me. Are you content with that? But they weren't. They were lured into the idea of knowing what God knows. And they fell into sin. But it's what we know that often trips us up. And it's what we don't know that often trips us up. 
when it comes to our relationship with God. How many people say, well, I'll believe in God when I understand this, this, and this. We, we somehow stand before God like, like we're in charge. God, you answer my questions, and then I'll believe. As though somehow, remember, God's humble. As though somehow God's in heaven going, oh, you don't believe me. I'm so sad. That breaks my heart. I, God is, listen, we worship God not for his benefit. We worship God for our benefit. God's not into, a, into an ego trip. It's, it's, it's not about us being in awe of him. He does not need us to be in awe of him. It's always for you and me, friend. It's always for our benefit. And so what God does is God allows us, he allows our, our little world that we create to begin crumbling like the sandcastle that it is. And that sometimes positions us to say, okay, God, I'm ready. What do you got for me? I'm done doing it on my own. I have to stop being a know-it-all in order to know the one who knows it all. So God's humble. But he's also huge. Huge. And you would say, well, that ought to make it easy to see God because he's so big. Actually, the irony of it is He's so big that it's hard to see him. We have this saying that you can't see the forest for the trees. You know that saying? And what that saying means is that we're in the forest, and when you're in the forest, you can't see the forest because you're in it. But if you could get into an airplane and fly above the forest, you could see all the edges of the forest, and you could see it. But... When you're in it, you can't see it. Well, God is omnipresent. And omnipresent means this, that God is just as much over there as he is over here. That there's no place, literally no place that you can go where God is not there. That, and it's not like a piece of God is over there and a piece of God is over here. It's not that at all. Omnipresent means All of God is over there at the same time that all of God is over there. That's omnipresent. So God is infinitely huge, meaning that you can't get above him and look down on him. There's no way to get a bird's eye view on God. You and I are always in the forest, so to speak. And sometimes it's hard to see the trees in the forest. Does that make sense? He's huge. Or maybe this way. How about, have you ever gone swimming? And you try to open up your eyes under the water when you're swimming. And when you open your eyes under the water, you open your eyes usually to see what's in the water. Not to actually look at the water. So you're swimming and you you want to see fish. You want to see other swimmers. You want to see sparkles of dust and whatever it is you're looking for in the water, but you're usually looking at other things in the water and not the water itself. True? We have another saying that says, if you want to learn about water, don't ask a fish. Because water is all the fish has ever known. So the fish is like, what water? This is just life as I know it. So the Bible says this. 
that we live and move and have our being in God. Meaning he's the water. He's the forest. You and I are in him. And most of the time, almost all the time, the only thing that we look at are other things in the water. And we don't actually look at the water itself. So God is, he's our atmosphere. I'm like, we, we live in him. And it takes training. It takes a little bit of discipline to train my eyes, to train my ears, to start looking at the water and not just at what else is in the water with me. Does that make sense? I want to see God at work in you. Can you see God at work in other people? Because that's starting to look at the water. Can you see what God's doing? Because now you're looking at the water and not just other people in the water. So the point is simply, sometimes it's hard to see God because God's so huge. Because we're so immersed in his presence that I have a hard time seeing his presence. And I have to train myself to be looking at his presence. It's not to say that looking at everything else is bad. It's just I need to train myself to look at his presence. And then the third thing is God's spirit, which makes it hard to see him. Because you and I live in a material world. We live in flesh and blood. And the Bible tells us that God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, that God's a spirit. So God, we have this barrier between us, and he's spirit. But it doesn't mean that he can't talk to us. In fact, God can talk to you. He is talking to you. And one of the things that I find that's helpful is this. I find it helpful to look in Scripture and see all the different ways that God talked, that God dealt with other people, because based on their experiences, perhaps I can have the same experience with God. Because one of the things I love about these people in the Bible is that they're jerks just like us. We, we think of them as being special and holy because they're in the Bible, but you, you read them and you begin to realize, oh, no, wait a second, there's nothing special or holy about that guy at all. He's a complete, wow. They're normal. And so this is God at work in normal people, and so if he's at work in normal people like that, he's probably at work in the same way in my life because I'm pretty normal. So let's just look at this real quick this morning. What does God's voice, first of all, what does God's voice sound like? And then, and then we'll go take it another step. So God's voice, and I'm just going to fly through these quick because you need to just see the scriptures so that you can just get a high-level view, if you will, about what God's voice sounds like. So in the Bible, in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 2, it says, His voice sounds like many rushing waters. Ezekiel says his voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. And that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 1, verse 15, also in Revelation chapter 14, verse 2, and other places where God's voice sounds like rushing waters. 
God's voice in Job 37, God's voice sounds like thunder. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. In John chapter 12, verse 29, I love this one because Jesus is talking to his father and he says, Father, glorify your name. And then God the Father speaks back and says, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. He spoke audibly. And this is the experience of the people around him. It says that the crowd that was there and heard it, they heard the voice. They said, does that sound like thunder? Did it thunder? Is it going to rain? They said it thundered. I love that. But the Bible tells us that God was actually speaking to Jesus. But everybody else heard it as thunder. Um, A storm in Job chapter 40, verse 6. The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Must have been terrifying. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 7, I like this one. God spoke through feelings. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. You see what's happening there? Daniel gets a vision from God, and he's, he's communicating, but the other people that were with them, they weren't seeing the vision, but they felt something. They felt dread. They, and it was so palpable that they ran. But they didn't really know why they were running. They just knew they had a bad feel, or whatever the feeling was, a feeling of dread, and they ran. I love that. Sometimes God does speak in feelings. Sometimes God speaks in an audible voice. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. The men traveling with Saul. This is um, Saul on the road to Damascus and his conversion. Saul was on his way to kill some Christians. He was persecuting Christians. He was not a follower of Christ at this point. And God got his attention in a big way. And this is part of the story, as Saul tells it. He says, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the voice, but did not see anyone. And then over in Acts chapter 26, verse 14, we're told about the same scenario, the same story. And there it says that God actually, the voice, spoke to Saul in the Aramaic language. So obviously God speaks Aramaic, and obviously he speaks English, and German, and French, and Swahili, and whatever other language there is. God speaks the language. He's the creator of languages. And God spoke to Saul in an audible voice. Uh, Sometimes God talks to us in a gentle whisper. 1 Kings chapter 19, we, many people, love the story of Elijah and his encounter with God while he's in the cave, and there's an earthquake, and there's a fire, and there's a this, and then it says this, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. So God spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. Sometimes his voice sounds like that. How does God speak So God's voice sounds like these things. Sometimes I wonder, have you ever heard it thunder? But maybe that was God's voice. Have you ever felt that gentle prompting in your soul? And you just dismissed it because uh, maybe as I... Or you weren't even really paying attention, just 
was God trying to speak to you in a gentle whisper? Have you ever felt something palpable, moved in a particularly strong way, and you just thought, what, what is that? Why am I feeling so moved all of a sudden? Why do I even care about this? Could it be that the God of the universe is speaking to you about something? The point is, God's voice sounds like these different things. Here's how God speaks to us. He speaks to us in a variety of ways. In the Bible, he speaks to us through visions. In Acts chapter 16, Paul says that, it says that they had a vision. <clears throat> Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and, and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And I love this. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. Why? Because we were just concluding. We were just concluding that God must want us to go preach to the Macedonians. I like that because that's kind of how my life works a lot of times. It's a lot of guess. I think that's God. And I talk with you and you go, yeah, that sounds like maybe that's God. And we sort of make a conclusion that that's God. That's how God speaks. God also speaks through nature. Genesis chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. God took Abraham outside and he says, it said, he took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. And God told Abraham, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Psalms 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. So nature, God's voice, God speaks through nature. Some people, I know, some of you, you love to get out in the woods. Go camping. Get out there. Get away from the hustle and bustle of the suburbs. Why? Because you feel like you can experience God's presence there. That's legitimate. Some of you love the ocean. Some people are just ocean people, right? Tell me, you love that. You love to get down by the ocean on the sand. There's something about the waves. There's something about the bigness of the ocean that just sucks you in. That's legitimate. Nature speaks. God speaks through nature. It's his world. He can use it to talk. God also speaks through prophets. Yet the Lord warned Israel, 2 Kings says. God warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets. He warned them. And, and in verse Thessalonians 5.20, it says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Because sometimes we dismiss prophecies. But the Bible specifically says don't. Don't treat them with contempt. We're supposed to test them. Check them out, but you don't just write them off. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So literally everyone can prophesy. Every one of you can give a word of prophecy. You say, Nah, that's not me. That's not true. Yes, it is. Here's the misconception. People think of prophecy only one way. You... People think of prophecy typically as only being the world is going to end on May 30th, 2020. That's a prophecy. Yeah, that's a form of prophecy, but that's a very small part of prophecy. Think of prophecy as being a spectrum. It's a wide spectrum. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, anyone who speaks, anyone who speaks to men Anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. 
Sometimes prophecy is as simple as an encouraging word. Did you give somebody an encouraging word? You prophesied to them. Did you have a Bible verse for somebody you were feeling led to just give them this Bible verse that it would bless them? That's prophecy. Follow? So yes, everyone can prophesy in the body of Christ. God uses prophets to speak to us. We need that. So that's that. There's a whole sermon on that one. But just dreams. God talks to us through dreams. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. God appeared to Matt, to, uh, to, to Joseph, you know, Joseph and Mary. He uh, spoke to Joseph five different times through dreams in the Christmas narrative. So God speaks to us in dreams at times. God also speaks to us through fire. That must be terrifying. King David set up an altar And he gave this burnt offering to the Lord, sacrifice fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire. How did the Lord answer him? Yeah, I did that because I knew you weren't with me. Okay, we're going to get this back. God answered him how? With what? Fire. There we go. Now we're together. With fire from the altar of the burnt offering. Can you see that? That must have been terrifying. The point is this. This is just the beginning. Here's the next slide. Look at all these different things. God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He physically wrestled with Jacob through the night. He spoke to Jonah while he was in a fish's stomach. He spoke to the Magi through a star in the sky. He knocked Saul off a horse and spoke to him in a blinding light. Throughout the ages, God has spoken to people using angels, signs, miracles, current events, natural disasters, inner impressions, the written word, etc., etc., etc. In other words, God is the God of the universe, and he has the entire universe at his disposal, literally, at his command, he has the entire universe at his disposal, and he will use whatever he needs to use to speak to you and to me. Wow. Thank you, God. God is just as eager to have a relationship with you and me as you, I, as you and I are in need of having an intimate relationship with him. I love that. <clears throat> in fact, God is more eager than I am which I find just stunning because I know we were worshiping like that this morning and thinking about God's greatness. I just find that stunning. Uh, Who am I? Who are you that God would even care? And yet he does. Is that not amazing to you? That the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and me where we get to talk to each other all the time and not just in some special service after they play my favorite worship song, but I can talk to them all the time. I want to share something with you in closing this morning that really stoked my fire this week. It melted my butter. I found something kind of cool in the Bible that I never noticed before. And it just really does. It just, I've been thinking about it a lot. It just really blew me away. 
I hope you like it too. You'll, you'll probably go, well, yeah. I mean, that's how that works, doesn't it? Sometimes we get excited about something and then nobody else is excited about it. But that's okay. I get to share it with you anyway. So it's this. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned on that terrible day that they, that they sinned and turned away from God, and then the Bible tells us that they immediately felt shame and they noticed their nakedness and they covered themselves up with scratchy fig leaves. And, and then the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, tells us that God came to walk with them in the cool of the day. And the, the text indicates that that was probably a, a regular thing for them, that, that God and Eve and Adam would take a walk together. And God was coming that day, coming for his daily walk with Adam and Eve. And, of course, things were different that day. But what's cool is that the Bible says that God would walk with them in the cool of the day. And I don't know how you've ever pictured that, but in my mind, I've always pictured it as God physically appearing. And so you had God in a physical appearance as a guy, and then Adam and Eve, and they're just walking the three of them through the garden. I don't know how you pictured it. That's how I pictured it. Until this week. Because I learned that the cool of the day in Hebrew, which is the language that Genesis was originally written in, the word cool there, cool of the day, is the word ruach, which is also the word for wind, breath, Holy Spirit. Ruach is the Hebrew word for Holy Spirit. So in other words, it wasn't that God physically showed up and the three of them walked through the garden. It was that God blew through the garden. The wind of God came through the garden in the wind of the day. And Adam and Eve would walk in it. And they enjoyed fellowship with God, walking in the wind in the garden. See that? And why that's cool is this. Because Moses, go up a little bit in the Bible. Moses is standing at the Red Sea and the people of Israel and this big ocean's in front of them. And God says, stick out your staff and, right? And he parted the waters. And you know what the Bible says? When Moses did that, a wind blew and parted the waters for the people of God to walk through. A ruach, that's the Hebrew word. And then in Ezekiel, Ezekiel in chapter 3, he has this vision of God. And, and Ezekiel says he was, he was caught in, it was the breath of God, and he felt a trembling. So Ezekiel also experienced in his vision of God this, this, the ruach. He had this wind. And then Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2, verse 2. New followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus had just died, risen, ascended back to heaven. And now these new followers of Jesus Christ on Pentecost Sunday, remember what Acts 2.2 2 says? It says they're all there gathered together and God's spirit came like a mighty rushing 
Oh, man, you guys, it had a punch there, and you missed that. It was so a mighty rushing wind. He came in, the Spirit. In other words, you and I can walk with the wind again. The day that Adam and Eve sinned was the day that that relationship got broken, and and. They weren't able. They ran from God. They didn't run to Him. They didn't run with Him. They ran from Him. And then Jesus came and He died on the cross and He paid for our sins in order to make a way for us, in order to pave the way for us to know God again, in order to pave the way for us to actually walk with God day by day by day. He paved the way for us to walk in the wind again so that wherever the wind blows... John chapter 3, Jesus said that. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's like wind. Where he blows, nobody knows. There's this way, that way. I want, I want to learn how to walk in the wind. That when God goes this way, I go this way. When God goes that way, I go that way. And we're just walking. That the cool of the day, the wind of the day, is a daily experience for you and me. That's possible. And that's what we're endeavoring to do this summer. I invite you to join me in that. I I have to be honest with you. I'm afraid a little bit about this series. So I'll be just shoot straight with you. My whole life I've wanted to know God's voice. And my whole life I've blown it. Honestly, I I doubt my ability to hear God's voice. I'm just keeping it real with you. I doubt my ability to hear God's voice. And I do say, help me in my own belief. Because I look back in my life, and every time I've thought I heard God's voice, and then I tried to follow through with it, it just was a disaster. I've, I have created more disasters in my life thinking that I was following God's voice than I even care to count. But with all the disasters in my life of times that I completely blew it, I'm call me foolish, but there's something in me that says, no, this is still possible. Even though I've screwed it up, this has to still be, there still has to be a way that I can know the voice of God, that I can know the Father like Jesus knows the Father. There has to be a way to do that. And that's what I'm endeavoring to go for this summer, and that's what I invite you to go for with me this summer. And so we're going to make mistakes. That'll be okay. But we can learn in this together. Okay? We got that? Are you with me? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, that is our desire. Oh, God, I'm convinced that I can hear your voice. I'm also convinced that I've gotten it wrong a lot of times. And so, Lord, I come before you and I say, teach me how to hear your voice. Teach us how to hear your voice. Father, we want to know you the way that Jesus knows you. And that's our heart's cry today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's stand and let's sing as we close this morning. And uh, I want to open up our altar for ministry.